0: Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. This episode is from a recent message given by our pastor, Dennis Fountain. We hope this sermon will be an encouragement to you, and we would love to hear how God used it in your life. Well, Romans chapter 8 this morning, we're taking a break from our series in the book of Corinthians, and uh, we've been going through a study in 1 Corinthians. It's been a helpful study, and I wanted to be in it today, but we'll, uh, we'll get back to that soon. Uh, but today we're in Romans chapter number 8. Really, it's the theme passage that we've had for the year, uh, Romans 8, our theme verse, and all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. We're going to look briefly at that today, but really just the passage all around it. But before we get into the, uh, the word this morning, I just want to ask you, if you ever get tired of bad news, and I'm not talking about the news outlets that you watch on TV, I just mean bad news. Um, you know, all of us have times when we probably feel like uh, we're surrounded by emergencies and bad news. Uh, a few weeks ago, Hannah and I uh, were just, I think we were sitting in a cup of coffee or somewhere and... Um, That's where we normally have really good discussions because we drink coffee all the time. So anyway, we were sitting drinking a cup of coffee and she just stopped and set her cup down and just looked at me and she said, I have a question. I said, yeah, what's up? She said, could we just take a break from emergencies? And I looked at her and I said, I don't know. I don't know how that works. How do you take a break from emergencies? You know, we all probably have those times in life when it just seems like we are bombarded with negative things. I really think the older you get and the more you get dialed in with culture, uh, maybe politics and, and uh, the economy and things of that nature, you become a person that is just inundated with, uh, with discouraging news. I I talk to people all the time, man, pastor, did you hear about this? Pastor, did you see that on the news? Pastor, did you? Man, we we all have that. I don't know about you, but I get times in my life when, you know what, discouraging things are going to come. We all get that. Discouraging things are a part of life. But I get times when I just need some good news. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I just need somebody to tell me something good that's going on. Like, I just need somebody to tell me everything is okay. It's like when you were a kid. Remember when you were a kid and I don't know if you had that parent, but you have that that situation that just comes up and you just need a hug. You just need mom or dad to hug you and and you don't need them to ask you a bunch of questions. You just need them to say, everything is okay. Hey, hey, you're safe. Everything is okay. And then they proceed to say, we're going to get ice cream later, you know, or something like that. And we all have those times where we need that. We have a bad news, we need good news. Today, I wanna to give you some incredible news from the word of God. It's found in a passage in Romans chapter number eight. And here's what we're gonna to do today. We're gonna to read the passage before us. And we're gonna pray and then we're just gonna dive into it. Really, this is an awesome passage because it just preaches itself. I'm gonna read it and you're gonna know the points even before I get there. And because it is just so, it is just so packed with great news from God, and I think this morning, if we'll just dial in, I think God will use it to encourage all of us. Romans chapter eight this morning. Would you stand with me as we read together? I just want to read a few verses. Romans chapter eight, beginning in verse number thirty-one. Romans chapter number eight, beginning in verse number thirty-one. The Word of God says this: What shall we say to the, what shall we then say to these things? If God before us that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. What a passage. I mean, it is, it is just filled with some great things. So this morning, I don't know about you, I just titled the message, Give Me Some Good News. And today we're going we're to get some good news from Paul, inspired by God, for your heart and for mine today. I'd like to pray with you and, and get right into the word of God. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, would you just in the privacy of your own heart, would you pray and give God permission to speak to you? God, I give you permission to speak to me today. And then would you make a a commitment to the Lord, God, if you speak to me and when you speak to me, I'll respond to you today. I'll make a decision based upon how you speak to my life today. Dear Lord, we just want to come to you and we want to thank you for the word of God. So thankful that you've given it to us to direct every step and decision that we make, to encourage and comfort, to convict, to challenge. Lord, your word has the power to speak into our lives. And so God, we pray that today that you would use it, that you would help us, that you would encourage us, and that today as we go through the service this morning, that it would not simply be just another service, another church service time, but God, that today you would meet with us and you would help us to experience your presence. We love you. We pray that you give us the courage to respond to you as you do speak to us today. And God, before I close my prayer, I just wanna pray if there's anybody with us, whether in person or online, and they do not know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, God, I pray that today would be the day that they put their faith and their trust completely in you. We love you, Lord. And we thank you for your love. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. You go ahead and be seated. No doubt if you've been in church for any length of time, you've read some or all of the book of Romans. I love the book of Romans. It's actually written to a number of house churches in the city of Rome. Of course, written by the Apostle Paul. Uh, He's very familiar. If you've been at our church for a length of time, we study the Pauline epistles quite often, and actually 1 Corinthians written by Paul. But Romans was also written by Paul. At one time, his name was Saul of Tarsus. Acts chapter 8 is when we're really introduced to him. And he was a great persecutor of the early Christians in that early church. But then Acts chapter 9, man, God got a hold of Saul's life and, and he trusted in Jesus Christ, put his faith in Jesus, and And God changed Saul's life, and he turned his name into Paul. And so no longer is it uh, Saul the accuser and, and the persecutor. Now it's Paul the preacher and the church planter. And God would use Paul to travel all around the known world to start dozens and dozens and dozens of churches. One of the places that Paul desired to travel to was the city of Rome. As a matter of fact, if you went back to Romans chapter number one, you would read there where Paul writes to them, I desire to come to you. I really want to come and and speak into your life. I want to lead people to Jesus there. I want to help you grow in the Lord there, but I can't come at this time. So since I can't come, I just want to write to you about some things. And Paul begins to write to them the book of Romans, this letter that is filled with incredible doctrine. He writes to them, the first three chapters are really about fallen man, how every single person is a sinner before God. Whether you're a Jew, whether you're a Gentile, whether you're religious, whether you think you're close to God or not close to God, every single person is a sinner before God. Chapters four, five, and six are what God did because of our sin. Well, what did God do? Well, he sent his son he died. Jesus died upon the cross so that you could be saved, Romans chapter 5, verse number 8, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. And, and that's chapters 4, 5, and 6 kind of focus in on that. Chapters 7 and 8 kind of talk a lot about then the, the blessings of what it means to receive God. Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about victory. Really, Romans 7 and 8 is all about victory. Romans chapter 7 is a famous place because Paul says this, He says the the famous kind of internal argument that he has of the things that I don't want to do, I do. And the things that I do want to do, I don't want to do. And and then he just kind of gets frustrated. He says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And then verse 25, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord. Why? Because he is able to deliver us from any vice or addiction or he's able to deliver us from any sin. There is Romans chapter eight, verse number one. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. Man, you have opportunity now to not walk after the flesh, but to walk after the Spirit. Romans 8.15, when you receive Christ, you're adopted into the family of God, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Man, since I'm adopted into his family, God's not, he's given me that, that Spirit, the Holy Spirit in my life, and I become an adopted child of him, and I can go before him every day. And so Paul is really, just go read Romans 7 and 8 sometime. He just talks about the blessings of knowing God, but then, but then you come to the end of Romans chapter number eight, and the end of Romans chapter eight is like it's like that text message that you get from somebody that has like a thousand exclamation points on the end of it. I don't mean to be rude at all to um, to the the uh, let's see the wiser people. But my mother, when she texts, my mom always texts in like capital letters all the time. We have some family in town today. Grandkids are over here and they'll tell you when Nana texts, it's capital letters and it's exclamation points. And I'm reading and I'm like, mom, like that's a lot of exclamation points. You know, when I come to Romans chapter eight, I'm like, Paul, that's a lot of exclamation points. You know, Paul's going to try to do in these few verses, he wants to get it in your mind and in my mind. Hey, listen, when you have Jesus Christ in your life, there is a lot that belongs to you. When you have Christ in your life, yes, you're adopted into his family. Yes, there is no condemnation. I've already written about all that stuff. Now, I want to write to you about some greater things. And so we read in verse number 31, when Paul says, what shall we say then to these things? Do you see that verse number 31, Romans 8, 31? What shall we say then to these things? The these things that he's talking to is like everything I've given you. Hey, you're adopted in Christ. Hey, you're victorious because of Christ. Hey, you're over sin because of Jesus. Hey, you have eternal life because of Jesus. Hey, because of all of this, let me tell you a few more things. So Paul, what's the great news you have for us today? Paul, what's something that we could walk away with and, and maybe know and, and uh, have a, our mind wrapped around about what Roman eight encapsulates? What, what is it? I think Paul would give us these truths today. The first piece of great news that we have from Paul as we come into this passage is this thought, that if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, if you know Jesus Christ as your savior, then you need to know this truth, that God is for you. God is for you. Well, where do we see that? Go with me to verse number 31, where Paul writes this, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? If God be for us, who can be against us? You know, what Paul is saying, uh, here's the conclusion to all of these things that I've given you. The conclusion is, God is for you. If you know Christ as your savior, God is on your side. James chapter four actually says it this way, that before we receive Christ, we're at enmity with God. We're an enemy of God. But when we receive Christ, we become a child of God. This is what Paul is saying. Hey, I've written you all of these incredible truths and I want you to know that God is for you. In all of these things, uh, he says, if, if all of these things are true, then what does the child of God have to worry about? hey, God is for you. You belong to him. Is there any person, think about this, is there any person in the universe who can, who can remove our no condemnation status before God? No. So what's he asking? If God before you, who has the ability to stand against you? Is there anyone who's stronger than God? I mean, if God's on your side, who's greater than God? Is there anyone beyond God? The answer to all of those questions is a resounding no with 57 exclamation points. Man, it's, it's no, there is nothing against me who is stronger than God. Oh, now, is the enemy stronger than you? Yeah. I, I, I get, uh, honestly, I kind of get alarmed when I have, I have friends and pastor friends and I'll see them put out on Facebook or on Twitter, they, they kind of just arrogantly throw it out there. And, and you maybe have Christians friends that do this, and they, they kind of throw it out there, bring it on, Satan. You know, come on, come at me, you know. And uh, I understand a lot of times it's maybe, you know, saying, I, I know that God's more powerful. But, you know, sometimes as a Christian, we can have that mentality. The mentality of, oh, I've got this. I've got this. I can handle this. No, no, no. no. You and I, we can't handle it. But you know who's on your side? Hey, God. If you know Christ as your Savior, God's for you. There is no one who is stronger than God. I love that word for. The word for there. Here's what the word for means in the Greek. It means to be over, to be regarding, or to be surrounding. I love that. You know what God is doing? If you know Christ as your savior, God literally encompasses your life. God is surrounding you. My wife, of course, many of you know, she paints and she's an artist. And did you see she was in the paper a couple of weeks ago? And I asked her if she's going to charge me now to live under the same roof as her because she's famous. <coughs> and she said, yes, it goes up to, and I'm, it, it's a lot. It's I'm gonna to have to move outside to the garage. But anyway, she, she paints. And years ago, years ago, when she was just kind of drawing, we were sitting in a church service And if you've ever looked at Hannah's Bible, it's always, uh, every page is just doodles. You know, she just doodles and draws things from the messages and stuff like that. When we first started ministry, I didn't think she was ever paying attention to me because I'd be like, you have a new piece of artwork, you know, and uh, did you listen to anything? And she'd be like, yeah. And she could literally quote it back to me. But anyway, we're there in a service and I look over and she's drawing this picture. And this picture is of a, of a church service from a, a view like someone maybe in a balcony looking down. But it's not from a balcony. It's kind of from above the building seeing through the roof. And she had sketched this all out, people in in the the chairs all facing forward and a a pastor up here preaching. But then all around that picture was just darkness. And she'd colored it all in really black. And she she had drawn these like These, like, demonic looking beings all on the outside. But in between the church and those demonic beings, she had a host of angels that she had drawn just holding hands and had swords. And I mean, it's just like you'd imagine an angel look if you read a description of the Bible. You know what? I love that picture because it brings down a truth. If you know Christ as your Savior, the Bible says that it's not, listen, it's not just angels that are surrounding your life. It is God himself. God is surrounding you. God is for you. What a great truth. I don't know about you, but I get discouraged watching culture. I get discouraged, like, you know, I try not to turn on the news anymore. I used to pay attention, you ask her, I used to pay attention to the news like every day. Now I'm like once a week, (laughs) okay, I'm good. Man, I I just can't take it sometimes. You want some good news? Hey, God is for you. I love how God said it to Abraham in Genesis chapter 15, verse number one. It says, after these things, the word of the Lord came into Abraham in a vision, saying, fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. You know what a shield does? A shield always goes before the soldier. Hey, God's your shield. Hey, God goes before you. Nahum chapter one and verse number seven, the Lord is good. He is a stronghold in the day of trouble and he knoweth them that trust in him. First John four, four, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Hey, I've got some great news for you today amidst the craziness and the heartache of this world. If you know Jesus Christ as savior, God is for you. What's the second piece of truth from the passage? Well, if you know Christ as Savior, God gives to you. God gives to you. Notice verse 32. Look at verse 32, Romans chapter eight. It says this, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him or through Jesus also freely give us all things? You know what Paul is saying in this? Hey, if God is for you, And if he gave his son to die for you when you were a sinner, you gotta know he's not gonna stop giving into your life. Nobody told God that he had to give Jesus for us, but he did. And if God, under no pressure from anyone else, but by his own free will, his own free choice, based upon his incomparable love, if he chose not to spare his own son, but to give him as a sacrifice to redeem you, Paul says, how in the world could you ever imagine that God would stop giving to you? Now, let's be honest. Do you ever have times in your life when you kind of go, God, where are you? You ever have times like that? Maybe you don't. I do. I have times when I sit down and I just kind of put my head down and I'm contemplative and I'm just like, God, Like, where are you? God, what is going on? God, I, and I'm just there wondering, God, did you, did you quit on me? You know, Paul is saying, if he gave his son to die for you, he ain't quitting on you. He's gonna keep giving into your life. Now does that mean you're getting a new Mercedes next week? No. Probably not. If you do, you want it and sell that puppy right away and you'll get some good money. <clears throat> They're not worth driving anyway. I'm just saying. No, this giving it doesn't mean it doesn't mean that God is going to just be, be, you know, uh, um, uh, um, prosperity gospel, you know, well, if you follow me, then I'm going to bless you with all of these things. No, 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 no. It's God saying, hey, I love you enough to give my son, to, give my son so that you could have eternal life. I love you enough and I will keep providing for you. I will keep meeting your needs. I will keep helping you. I will keep sustaining you. Hey, I will keep giving into your life. And I'm so, so thankful today that God loved me enough, not only to give his son, but he loves me enough to keep giving himself unto me. One man said it this way, if when we were sinners, God gave us his best, now that we are God's children, will he not give us all that we need? Hey, God's gonna keep meeting your needs. God is going to to keep working in your life. And uh, Paul wrote it this way in Philippians chapter four, my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. Hey, it's no coincidence that the word interpreted need is not needs. And the word interpreted riches is not interpreted rich. No, God meets your need according to his riches. What does the Greek mean in that, in, that, in that verse? It means God's shovel is bigger than yours. You say, God, I have this need. God goes, Pfft. God will meet all of your need according to his riches. <clears throat> Listen to what James said in James 1:17 when he said it this way. He said, every Every good gift and every perfect gift, that word perfect, it means complete gift, is from what? It's from above. And cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. That word variableness, it means, um, you know what the word fickle means? You know, someone say, oh, that person's kind of fickle. You know, it just kind of, their mind is just always going, ah, just, ah, you know, it's kind of every way. God, there's no variableness. There's no fickleness. There's no changing. You know what that verse is stating? It's the same thing that Paul says. And all of those early believers and early disciples that followed Jesus, they were with him and they understood it when he spoke to them. And he said, hey, listen, once you become my child, Once you put your faith and your trust in me, I will continue to work in your life. I will continue to give to your life. I will continue to bestow into your life. Hey, you want some good news today? Great great news. Verse 31, God is for you. Verse 32, God gives to you. Notice verse 33 and 34 and understand that God justifies you. God justifies you. If you know Christ as your Savior, hey, God justifies you. Look at verse 33 and 34. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. The phrase right there, lay anything to the charge. That's a, it's a, a law phrase. It means to bring a legal charge against somebody. Paul is saying, hey, can people go before the court of God? Can people go before the court of God and say, that guy shouldn't be saved. That lady shouldn't, they, they shouldn't have salvation. Uh, look at that sin. Hey, look at what they did. Hey, look at who they were. Hey, look at, Paul is saying, who Who's going to do that? Who's going to come and, uh, and accuse those that belong to God? Verse 33, who shall anything to the charge of, of God's elect? Verse 34, who is he that condemneth? It's really the same question asked two different ways. And the question is, who has a chance to bring anything against you if you belong to God? And the answer, no one. Well, why is the answer no one? Because it is God that justifieth. Hey, if I'm made right by God, no one can ever make me not right with God. It's God that justifieth. It is Christ that died. Hey, hey, that person who accuses, the enemy, the devil who accuses, he didn't die for you. It is Christ that died. Yea, rather... Oh, this is Paul. Listen, Jesus died for you. Oh, and by the way, he also rose from the dead to prove to you who he was and that he could be trusted. And what else is he doing? And now he's sitting on the right hand of God interceding for you. The word justifies, it means to be made completely righteous before God. You might have heard the word justified said this way. Justified means just as if I'd never sinned. Justified. Just as if I'd never sinned. I'm made righteous before God. When a person puts their faith and trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, when he died on the cross, was buried three days later, rose again from the dead, when a person puts their faith and their trust in Jesus and believes upon him, the Bible says that because of Jesus, we are made right before him. That's the word justified. Here's the thought then. When God looks at Leo, God doesn't see sinful Leo. God sees Jesus saying, I'm here on his behalf. God looks and sees, he doesn't see Dennis, wicked, sinful Dennis. No, because I'm justified, because I've been made right before God, because of Christ, God now looks at me and says, I don't just see Dennis, I see my son, Jesus, standing for Dennis. It's God that justifies and you know what? One man said it this way. Once God justifies, that settles it. <laughs> I believe this book, this living word of God, it teaches that once you receive Christ, he's in your life forever. We'll see that in just a minute from the passage. But what God justifies, that settles it. And I'm thankful today that it's God that justifies Listen to how Paul wrote it at the beginning of Romans 8. He said, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. Man, I'm so thankful today I'm not condemned. You want some good news this morning? Some good news this morning is that God is for you. Some good news this morning, verse 32, God gives to you. Verse 33 and 34, it's God that justifies you. Notice then verse 35, it is God that loves you. I love this one. I love verse 35 when it says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Hey, who or what shall separate you from the love of Christ? We're going to look at the security that we find in this verse in just a minute. But before we get to that, we need to know about the love that is stated in verse 35, as well as verse number 38 and 39, when it says that nothing shall separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus I'm just gonna cut right to it today, and I'm gonna say this that you are loved by God not because of you. You're not loved, let's listen. Dennis Fountain is not loved by God because I'm anything special, because I'm not. No, I'm loved by God because he's special. You're not loved by God because you have this great worth to bring something to God and offer it to God and be like, hey, God, look at who I am and what I've done, and God, look at all of my accomplishments. No, listen, it is God. It is his love that's based upon who he is, not who we are. And that's a good thing. Someone, someone might say, well, pastor, that's kind of negative. You're saying that I'm just nothing but a sinner, pastor? Yeah, yeah, I am. Oh, I came to church to get encouraged. All right, I'll encourage you. You are a wicked sinner. I'll encourage you even more. You ready for this one? The Bible says that you're so wicked that your wickedness is like absolute filthy, disgusting, dirty rags before God. That's what your life and my life is before God. Aren't you encouraged? And you know what? We could hear something like that and be like, no. Because even though I'm a sinner, Christ loves me. If his love was based upon you, do you think there might have been a time in your life when you, you know, kind of disappointed him and he was like, all right, I'm done loving you? If you don't think that, then uh, if you're married, ask your spouse. Because <laughs> every married couple here, listen, every married couple here, uh, you, um, you got married and you're like, oh, we love each other. <laughs> and then three weeks later, you were like, "Huh, oh, what in the world did I do? Like, we didn't do that. Where's Craig Hatch? Liar! <laughs> and you know what? If love, if love is based upon what we have to offer, we could never keep God loving us. But listen, nothing, I'm gonna say it again with exclamation points at the very end, nothing in the Christian life is performance-based. It's not. It's not. No, you know why God loves you? Here's how John wrote it. He that loveth not knoweth not God. Why? Because God is love. You you, you know why God loves you? Oh, we've known and believed the love that God hath to us. Hey, God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. You want to know why God loved you? Oh, because he loves you with an everlasting love. You don't know why God loves you. Really, it's all because of who he is. His love is based completely upon him. I say this often at church, and it's a verse that I will continue to say. And it's it's this saying that God will never love you any more or any less than he does right now. I've always loved that. I heard that saying, I think I was 20 or 21 years old, and it's just stuck with me. God, he'll never love me any more or any less than he does right now. Why? Because his love for me is complete. It is perfect. It is whole. It is pure. It is holy. It is something that will stand for all of eternity. Wow, that's good news, isn't it? Man, that's good news. Think about all of the verses that tell us in Scripture. I mean, John 3.16, for God so loved the world. Ephesians 2.4, it's God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. 1 John 4.19, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. You know what I think would be healthy for us to do? Hey, this world is going to keep coming at you with negative news. This world's gonna keep coming at you with bad news, discouraging news, frustrating news, upsetting news, political news, economical news. It's all gonna keep coming at you. It's not gonna stop. People are like, well, I just can't wait for things to get back to normal. Throw that out the window. Life as you know it, God, listen, the devil hates you. He's out to get you. He's gonna bring negativity into your life. You know what to be healthy for a Christian to do every now and then? Just kind of go back a little bit and go, it's okay. Why? God loves me. It's okay. Well, why is it okay? Because I have Jesus and God is for me. It's okay because God's going to continually sustain me. He's gonna continually give into my life. It's okay, why? Because I'm justified before him. It's okay because God loves me. And lastly today, it's okay because God secures you. Hey, you want some good news today? My favorite verses in almost all of the Bible. I have a lot of favorite verses, two of them. Five of them. Eight of them are in, ten of them are in this passage. (laughs) Verse 31, all the way down through verse number 39, but I love verse 38 and 39. Verse 38 and 39. Notice what it says. Well, no, we're just going to read it. We're doing 35 all the way through 39. I got it in the slides and we're doing it anyways. Listen to what Paul wrote Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation word tribulation means pressures. Can, can pressure separate you? I mean, life is filled with pressure. Can it separate you from the love of Christ? How about distress? What is distress? Distress is outside affliction. It is outside trials, things that I didn't necessarily bring upon myself, but things that are just a part of life, the afflictions of life. Persecution. Well, what is that? A Persecution. It's, it's people uh, coming at you because of your faith. Famine? What's famine? Hunger, dearth, need. What's nakedness? Emptiness. What's peril? Dangers. What's a sword? Death. Here's what Paul says, can tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or any of those things, can they separate us from God? I mean, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Paul quotes from Psalm 44 saying, hey, it is is given that God's people are always going to be mistreated. There are always going to be trials in the Christian life. If you belong to God, trials are just a part of life and people not liking you being a child of God. It's just going to be out there. Ask some of the staff about some phone calls we've received this week. Just ask them. I won't tell you right now, but just ask them. People, people want, they're not going to like that you're a Christian. And Paul quotes from, from Psalm 44. Paul himself had faced all seven of those things in his life. And he himself knew from personal experience that none of those things could separate him from God. And these are the verses where he focuses For I am persuaded. That word persuade, we really don't have a heavy enough word for that word persuade in the English language. When you and I think persuade, we think, you know, I'm gonna gonna persuade Noah to go to lunch with me sometime. We got Noah and Noah sitting right here. I'm gonna gonna persuade, persuade this Noah. I don't wanna eat with you after what you said to me last week when I used your illustration. I'm gonna persuade Noah to go, hey, Noah, go to lunch with me. Noah, go to lunch with me. Noah, go to lunch with me. Finally, he's like, fine, pastor. I'll go to lunch with you. What did I do? I persuaded him. I just, you know, I kind of convinced him to do it. That's not what this word is. No, this word persuaded, it means, I, I can't even describe it. It means I'm absolutely convinced and grounded in, and I'm built upon. This is a foundational truth that I have. Paul's saying this. This is a foundational truth that I have in my life that God has given to me, that God gives to every single person who knows Jesus Christ. You can have the solid truth and be convinced that neither death, death is not gonna separate you from God. Life The trials of life and just living, it's not going to separate you from God principalities and powers, the atmospheric things around us that the devil tries to use to come at you. Hey, it's not going to ever separate you from the love of God, nor things present, nor things to come, the future, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You know what Paul is saying? Hey, listen, if you know Christ as your savior, you're secure. You're going to heaven. You've got a home based upon Jesus, not based upon you. You are loved by God. You are justified by God. God is completely surrounded you. God is on your side. God is with you in every trial. Hey, listen, no matter what comes your way, nothing will take you away from God. I don't know about you, but I love that. I love that. Why? Because then nothing is based upon Dennis Fountain. Because I can't keep myself secure. No, God keeps us secure. Jesus said it this way in John 10, 28 through 30. He said, I give unto them eternal life and they shall never perish. Speaking of those that believe in him, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. Oh, by the way, my father, which gave them to me, he is greater than all and no man is able to pluck them out of my father's hand and I and my father are one. No wonder Paul wrote Romans 8, 37. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Hey, in all of this, in all of this, you're more than a conqueror. That's been our theme for the year, and we've learned about what it means to be more than a conqueror. But literally, it means to become a super conqueror. What does that mean? It means that you have victory after victory after victory after victory after victory after victory, victory, and the devil can throw whatever he wants at you, but he cannot remove you from God's family. The devil can throw things at you, but he cannot make it where you will spend eternity in hell if you've received Jesus Christ as your Savior. Hey, you are more than a conqueror, not because of you, not through yourself. No, I'm more than a conqueror through him that loved us. This is a promise with no conditions attached. This is not a, if you do this, then I will. No, this is a, I will. You know Christ? You're you're more than a conqueror. What great news. As I think about being more than a conqueror and having security in Christ, you remember playing tag as a kid? and picking home base. If you were like me, that kind of, you know, slower kid, everything became home base. You know, you're about to get tagged. You're like, home base, home base. And you're about to hyperventilate. And You're touching a tree and they're like, that's not home base. Home base was the garage. You're like, no, we changed the rules. That's home base. You're like, well, I'm going to wait. And you're like, I'm fine. Home base, I'm safe. And then they leave and you run again. You're nowhere near the tree. You're nowhere near the garage. And you're like, ah, home base. Home base. And they're like, the pumpkin is not home base. Yeah, we change the rules again. <sighs> you know, when you're a kid playing tag, you just want to be safe. I don't want to get tagged. I want everything coming at me. I'm, listen, no, I'm home base, home base. You know, as a Christian, you know what you can do every day, no matter where you are? like home base. I'm in the car, home base. I'm at home, home base. I'm at my work office, home base. Say, what do you mean, pastor? You're secure. You're safe in Christ. Nothing can separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Wow. Some good news, isn't it? You want great news? Hey, God is for you. God gives to you. God justifies you. God loves you. And God secures you. But maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, you gave all those thoughts and you said those belong to a person that know Jesus Christ. Maybe you're here today and you'd say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus Christ. I want to ask every person in here to think about this question. Do you know 100% that Jesus is your Savior. Do you know that? Are you confident that if you died today that you would be with God? You say, Pastor, how can we be confident of that? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ was God's Son he lived a perfect life. He came into this world, lived a perfect life. And at the end of his life, 33 years in, he died upon a cross. And he didn't, He didn't. no one took his life. No, he gave his life in the sense that he laid his life down as a sacrifice on the cross. Well, what was he sacrificing for? He was sacrificing for your sin and for my sin. You see, our sin separates us from God. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We can't obtain God and a relationship with him in and of ourselves. We cannot do that. We are literally separated from God, born sinners. Think about that, being born a sinner. Pastor, you're back to the discouraging stuff again. Yeah, it's going to get worse. Discouragement. You ready for this? You don't have to be taught how to sin. Like, I love my kids, but all three of them are wicked sinners. (laughs) Say, how dare you say that? Well, they got it from their mom (laughs) and their dad. I never had to sit my kids down and say, now now this is how you tell a lie. Hey, now this is how you beat up your brother. Hey, now this is how, I never had, well, beating up your brother is really not a sin. Uh, This is, I didn't have to sit them down and explain what sin was. No, we're born sinners. And that's why Jesus Christ died on the cross. He died for your sin. And the Bible says that when he died for our sin, he became the substitute. The, The word is propitiation the complete substitute for our sin. That means that he's the only person that could die, shed his blood, so that you and I could have forgiveness of sin. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sins. If Jesus had not died, forgiveness could not be offered. But Jesus died. He was buried, and three days later, I already said it, but he rose from the dead. Why did he do that? He did that to prove that he was God and to prove that he could be trusted. You see, because for three and a half years, he had said, hey, believe on me for three and a half years. He had said, hey, I'm the Messiah for three and a half years. He had said, hey, believe in me. Hey, put your faith in me. And so when he rose from the dead, he was proving to everybody. Everything I've told you is absolutely true. So how does how does one believe on Jesus? Oh, they have to go to church. Nope, going to church can't get you into heaven. There's not going to be anybody that goes to heaven that's there and says, yeah, I got here because I was really faithful to church. Now, I'm a pastor, and I'm telling you it's good to be in church, but going to church is not going to get you to heaven. Well, I'm here because I got baptized. Nope. Nope, baptism is not going to get you to heaven. Well, I'm here because I'm a really good person. I mean, I helped those old people cross the street, and I remember I did this, and I remember I served in the community, and I remember this, and nope, you're not there because of that. The only reason that people are gonna be in heaven is because they've put their faith and their trust in Jesus alone, recognizing that he was the only sacrifice that could pay for my sin. He was buried, and three days later, he rose again. It's called the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection, and Jesus did that. Listen, Jesus did that so that you and I could know for sure that we're going to heaven. And the word of God says it this way in Romans chapter 10, that if you'll confess with your mouth that you believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he was and was raised from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart, man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Hey, do you know that Jesus is in your life? Do you know him as your savior? No, pastor, I don't. Today you could. How do I know that? Put your faith in Jesus today. Ask him to forgive you of your sin and come into your life and save you. If you do know Christ as your savior today, hey, let's leave here remembering some good news. God is for you. God justifies you. God gives to you. God loves you. God secures you. If you know Christ as your savior, all of those things belong to you. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, they could belong to you if you would put your faith in him. Today. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope it's been an encouragement to you, and if you'd like any further information about our church, we'd like to encourage you to visit mlbc.church.